Every spiritual qualification for an elder is heightened and sharpened and made far more important because of the role that they're called to fill. So now let's talk a little bit about the role of elders. What, what, if we do accept that, okay, this biblical eldership is, it is biblical and there's a plurality, what are they? What do they do? What are they all about? Well, first of all, it has, has nothing to do with age. The word elder, a few times in scripture, elder does refer to age, like obey your elders, that kind of thing. So it does show up like that. But I'm not talking about the context in which it refers to age, but the office, the office of elder has nothing to do with physical age. Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, let no one look down upon you for your age. So Timothy was this real young kind of fellow, younger than the others in the church, and and Paul's warning him. Now there's going to be people in the church that are going to tend to discount your authority based on your young physical age. Be prepared for that. Watch out for that, right? So it has nothing to do with physical age. Although, although I think it's clear to see that wisdom often dictates to us that the type of spiritual maturity that the Bible requires in an elder would be extremely rare to see in very young men. 20-something it not not that it would never happen, not that it would be impossible, but but in my way of thinking, it would be extremely unusual to see a man in his say twenties that had achieved the level of experience and wisdom that he would then be an appropriate choice for an elder. I think the youngest elders I ever hear about are like late thirties. Usually, that's kind of how it goes. More often, they're older. So it has nothing to do with physical age. But here's the definition that I put together for us. Hopefully, you will find this helpful. Elders are men. So the Bible limits the role of elders to males. Uh, We won't take the time to go into why or where it says that. I think we can all kind of accept that, that that is the biblical testimony, that spiritual leadership is is reserved for males. Uh, so elders, the office of elder is limited to males, and our, and our bylaws state that, who are called and equipped by God. So it's a calling. It's not a position that a man decides for himself, I would like to do that. That would be a cool thing to do. I think I could do that well. Let me see if I can become an elder. It's a calling. In many ways, it should be thought of as the same calling as what we traditionally think of as a call to the pastorate. We'll talk a little bit more about how elders don't necessarily fill that role, but the calling is very similar. It's a a life calling upon a man. And so it's, it's something that God places on a man. He raises up that man. He equips that man. It's a calling upon their life. And He equips them, as we say, Uh, to fill the office of spiritual leaders of Christ's body. They fulfilled this out of their calling. They're calling by God. They're equipping, right? So God calls them, God equips them, and they fulfill this out of their godly character. 
So character is crucial. We'll take all of next Sunday to talk about character because every every requirement, every qualification for an elder, with one exception, with the exception of apt to teach or able to teach, every one of those other ones is a character quality. So character, we can't overemphasize the importance of character. Their leadership is primarily exercised through, as we said, the guarding of right doctrine. So the guarding of right doctrine and the defense against wrong and harmful doctrine. So a biblical elder might be the one who preaches from week to week, as I do, and teaches from week to week. Maybe in a a setting of of this formal class, an elder might be the one who teaches from week in week. We'll get to that a little bit later, a little bit more. Or they preach, but not, not necessarily either. An elder doesn't necessarily preach or teach in any sort of formal setting. But an elder is one who has his finger on the pulse of the doctrine of the church. And like that rudder, they always have their finger on the pulse to make sure the doctrine of the church is right and what's being taught in the church is right and not wrong. So I remember my very first church that I pastored, I'd been there a month. I mean, I still had price tags on my suits and stuff. I mean, I just, this was brand new. And it was brought to me that there was a Sunday school class there that had a teacher that was teaching some harmful things. This was a study that was just very, very problematic because week after week, all they were talking about was demons. Every Sunday, the class was about the demonic, the demonic this, the satanic that, the, the, the witches this. And somebody came to me and says, I don't want to leave that class, but this is just really, I just don't even want to come. This is just awful. So I approached, I approached the teacher. This, is the, this was the response. I kid you not. Well, you're just the pastor. You teach from the pulpit. You don't control what we teach in the Sunday schools. Oh, contraire. Now, I didn't have the authority to, to handle that. I mean, I was brand new. I didn't have the experience to handle that at that point. But oh, contraire. That is the fundamental role of an elder is to guard right doctrine. The church is not a place for the free exchange of ideas. The church is a place to come to that's a safe doctrine place, that what you hear is right. Now, that doesn't mean you close your Bible and just accept everything. That's said. That still means that you com- you, you're searching the Scriptures for yourself. But that does not, absolutely does not mean that you come to the church and have to have this attitude of, what can I believe today? Or what am I going to hear today? If that church is that way, then the elders are doing no job at all. Because the church is a place of safe doctrine where everything that's taught and heard might not exactly be how you feel or believe. Because we know that the scriptures, there are areas that the scriptures allow us disagreement on. But the church is not a place to hear contradictory doctrine that does not align with scripture. 
And it is the primary role of elders to be that guardian of that. So an elder might find himself in a position one day of having to approach a music leader and say to that music leader, I just don't think some of the songs we're singing are, are quite correct. I just don't, I just, I think I see some problems in some of the things we're singing. That might be kind of a scenario that might happen for a biblical elder that would have to address an issue in which there are things that are being heard and said in the church and, and presented as true that aren't quite true or aren't quite, aren't quite helpful. Okay. So they are the guardians uh, of the, of the right doctrine and the defense against wrong and harmful doctrine and the proper God pleasing application of those doctrines in the life of the church. Beginning with the examples of their own family and life. Okay. So they not only are the guardians of right and true doctrine, but they hold the responsibility of leading the church and putting those right doctrines to place in their life. And the way that that begins is through their example of their life and their family. The office of elder is designed by God to work in the context of a plurality of elders with the body of Christ benefiting from the multiplying of counsel and wisdom and the offsetting or the minimizing of weaknesses and oversights. We'll get to that in just a little bit later, but God designed this to work in a plurality. Now, by plurality, he never gives us a number, but we see that it's plural, so we know that that's going to mean two or more, more than one. But this plurality, we'll talk a little bit more about that as we go, but this plurality brings to the body of Christ the benefit of wisdom, of counsel. It brings to the body the benefit of leadership that is not emanating from one man's thoughts and wisdom, but instead is emanating from a council of wisdom and biblical experience. So what are some of the things that the New Testament talks about elders doing? What are some of the things that are their responsibilities? First of all, the New Testament talks about the shepherding. There's many places that we see this. One of them, Acts 20, verse 28. We heard this earlier. Take care, attention to yourself, uh, as you exercise this over the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for, the word there is shepherd or pastor, to care for the church of God. So the, the, the elder must, in order to do that, must have a deep love for the church universal and the church local. The elder must demonstrate a deep love for the body, of, for the bride of Christ and for that specific location, that specific outworking of the body of Christ, the local church and the universal church. The elder that doesn't consistently display a devotion to and an appreciation of and a love for the church can't be qualified to shepherd the church. Uh, we also see the New Testament uh, speaking about providing spiritual oversight. Look at the words of the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 13. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Now, if I, as a biblical elder, have to give an account for the spiritual leadership that I exercise, then it goes without saying that what we're speaking of is 
a type of spiritual leadership that involves a spiritual authority? Because why would God call me to, to account over how I've exercised an authority if there is no authority? So there's a leadership. There's a there's an oversight aspect there. There's a leading. There's a leading the flock that takes place here. First Timothy chapter 5, let the elders who rule well be considered of, a dub, of double honor, worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So there's a leadership. There's a, there's a leading there. Now, what do you do for, what, what does a leader do? A leader has to have three things. In order to lead, there, there's, there's three things that just have to be there. First, a leader has to know where his people are. So a leader has to see the flock, understand where the flock is. A leader also has to know where the flock needs to go. How can you lead a flock? Picture in your mind a flock of sheep here. How can you lead a flock without understanding where the flock is and, even more importantly, where the flock needs to go? A leader who doesn't know where they're going is going to make the flock just as lost as he is. So a leader must see where the flock needs to go. There is no flock. There is no body of Christ that is where they need to be. Every body of Christ that exists is on a journey. The people in that body are on their own sort of individual journey, but in a much more important sense, that church is on its spiritual journey. And the leader must see where that flock needs to be going to in order to lead them there. And thirdly, the leader has to see the obstacles that are in their way. The leader has to see where the flock is, where the flock needs to go, and the leader needs to perceive what's in the way. The spiritual traps, the spiritual downfalls that that body is going to have to be navigated through in order to go and to get where the flock needs to go. So there's this leadership aspect. Which, by the way, let me just take this moment from 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. That's confirmation for us that biblical elder does not equal regular teacher or preacher. They're not the same thing. Often, elders do occupy some sort of teaching position or as I do, a, a weekly preaching position. But they're not necessarily the same thing. There are elders who don't teach regularly at all. There are elders who, whom God has gifted in leadership ways, but they are all apt to teach. They all have the ability to teach. Now, what does that mean? Well, apt to teach doesn't mean that you are a charismatic, engaging, dynamic sort of person that can stand up in front of a group and hold everybody's attention. That doesn't what, that's not what apt to teach means. There is a gift of teaching that God gives to some Christians. And by the way, He gives that gift to men and women. But the gift of teaching is not the same thing as biblical eldership. Many elders have the gift of teaching, but not all elders do have the gift of teaching and not all elders have to have it. But all elders have to be apt to teach. Now, teaching can be in a group setting or teaching can be one-on-one. Teaching can be in a counseling session. Teaching can be over coffee or over breakfast where, where the elder helps 
another believer to understand the Scriptures. He's, he's able to show. That's what teaching means. Teaching means I am able to impart to you understandings that I have. That's, that's what teaching is. I have understandings and I endeavor to impart those to you. Now, that's in essence what teaching is, and there's nothing about that that has to be in sort of, the, of a formal setting. But again, we take a look at Titus 1 verse 9. He must hold firm to the trust, trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So a very effective, spiritually qualified elder might be someone who never steps in front of a group in the church but who from time to time is found after the church service, talking over on the side with, with somebody and, and they're talking about the scriptures and he's helping to show this. Or from time to time, he might meet over a coffee with someone who's struggling with some spiritual issue in their life. And that elder can then show right doctrine and how to apply that in their life. So there's a, there's a difference to, to perceive here. There's a, there's a leadership, there's a teaching of the body. 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul doesn't say able to stand up and preach week to week, but he says able to teach, able to show right doctrine, explain it, and able to recognize wrong doctrine and explain why that's wrong. It's 1 Corinthians 2, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. Those who are spiritual means believers. Those who are spiritual are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But Paul says, here's our role. We interpret, interpret to spiritual people things that are spiritual. But as I said, the elder as the teaching office does not mean, I'm on the back page now, that elders are the only teachers. God gifts non-elders with the gift of teaching. God gifts ladies with the gift of teaching. Hebrews 5 verse 12 tells us that all believers in a sense are to be teachers. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you. So the implication there, the strong implication is you failed in your spiritual progression because you are not able to teach the Scriptures to anybody else by now. And you should have been. So in a sense, all believers are to be apt to teach, which by the way, we'll talk more about this next week, every, every spiritual qualification for an elder also applies to every believer. Same thing with deacons. There, there's, sometimes you might hear it say, well, all the spiritual qualifications except for apt to teach apply to all believers. I'm going to argue, well, no, all believers should be able to explain the scriptures. But every spiritual qualification for an elder is heightened and sharpened and made far more important because of the role that they're called to fill. But it's not like we can look at elders and say, well, they're the ones that have to be sober minded and not argumentative or quarrelsome. Not us. No. All those qualifications apply to all believers, but they take on a greater importance and a greater necessity when we talk about elders. Colossians 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. 
Or Titus 2, verse 3, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderous or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. So in a sense, all of us are to be teachers, but in a more poignant way or a sharper way, the elder is to be particularly gifted in the ability to understand right doctrine, recognize wrong doctrine, and explain that. Help others that don't see it to see it.